Father, again, we as your children, um, uh, as you have told us in your word to humble ourselves uh, before you, and Lord, we, we simply uh, bow our heads, but we also uh, bow our lives before you this morning, and knowing that um, uh, you're our Father who uh, has bought us, and we're your children uh, adopted children, and that, uh, Lord, we're heirs of Christ and, and joint heirs, and, and all the blessings that uh, are ours in Christ Jesus, uh, so many that we cannot even uh, count them, but, Lord, one day we will experience them, and even some of that uh, today as, as your children we experience. Uh, but one day without sin, one day without hindrances and pain and suffering. And so, Lord, we look forward to your coming. We look forward to our going to be with you. And, uh, and so, Lord, continue to work in our lives and, uh, because, Lord, we're, we're needy people. Uh, we, we all confess our failures, our shortcomings, and uh, that we're uh, big sinners uh, saved by great grace. Uh, in our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, Father, uh, we lift up to you this morning uh, the needs uh, and desires of our hearts, uh, knowing that you hear us, knowing that uh, your presence is here with us right now. And uh, Lord, I, I lift up the uh, Anderson family to you. And Lord, uh, I pray, uh, God, that the, the passing of this grandchild, uh, which is uh, such a, a terrible thing that I and Janine had to go through. And uh, it can be very painful. And, and, and so, Lord, I pray that there would be great healing, but, Lord, that you would continue to use the passing of this child to glorify you and that many would come to know Christ because of the great faith of this family. Lord, I lift up Melanie to you as she's on our hearts and as we all miss her and, and uh, uh, just can hear her voice and uh, her, see her smile. And uh, so, Lord, we, uh, she is with us in, in, uh, in one way, Lord, and, but help us, Father, to lift her up to you every day and to think of her and and to call her and to go maybe go see her. Uh, but Lord, help us to, to love her uh, as, as you love her, as Christ loves the church. And so, Father, uh, I also pray for uh, Chad and Elizabeth Gray and, uh, and for Matthew, who is in the Coast Guard. And Lord, we, we need a great miracle in his behalf. Uh, that you would uh, draw him to yourself, that he would come back to his parents. Uh, God, uh, work in his life and bring him to yourself. Lord, I pray for Glenn and this infection and that you bring healing uh, to him. Uh, also, we pray for uh, Jennifer, uh, who's in rehab, and uh, uh, Lord, speak to her. And Lord, give her victory over 
whatever she is dealing with. And um, the Covans, uh, Lord, and, and the heart of one of these twins, uh, we pray for healing. Uh, God, give the doctors wisdom and to know how to deal uh, uh, with that child. Lord, I lift up Susan and, uh, and all that she is uh, going through. And, and Lord, that she would uh, take care of herself and uh, that you would uh, work in her life in a powerful way. And Father, we would uh, give you all the praise and the glory for, for what you're doing in our midst. And uh, uh, we ask all of these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Second Timothy uh, chapter 3, and I'll be reading uh, verses 1 through 5. Uh, this is a list, and uh, sometimes... Uh, you know, list can, okay, here comes something else, here comes something else, here comes something else. It's like in the Old Testament, so-and-so begat so-and-so. And, and you don't spend your, your devotional time reading uh, all those people that lived and died. I mean, that's, it's there for our knowing and for knowing that God is, uh, keeps records. And I mean, there's a lot to learn from that. And so what we look at today, though, is uh, uh, it's kind of grungy. Maybe that's a good word, you know. You get through this list and you feel kind of grungy and like you need a shower uh, because these things, these bad qualities uh, are what things will be like, what people will be like in the last days. And there are 19 of them, and so uh, I want to focus uh, on them, but I don't want to dwell on them, and I want you to dwell on them, because because said earlier, I want you to uh, keep your fix your eyes on Jesus, and uh, but sad to say, some of these things that we will study are in our lives too, and we need to surrender all, and uh, so this is not just for lost people because uh, it's for, it's for us as well. But let's read the first. Uh, five verses of Second Timothy 3. And Paul says, But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men, and of course that's mankind, will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of, of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. And so may God bless to our hearts the reading of, of his word. And, uh, but this is worthwhile and, and, um, uh, to study these things and really to ask ourselves uh, some of these characteristics. Are, are they in my life? Or maybe this describes you to a T and maybe you need to become a Christian. And so we're looking at the heart this morning. Uh, remember looking uh, at sort of a review, quick review, Paul's concerned about 
the purity of the gospel, that it would be preached, uh, that it would be preserved. And he's writing to Timothy, who had a whole lot of opposition in his day, who was weak, we find out. And so one thing Paul tells Timothy is to run from youthful lust, uh, to pursue positive qualities with those who love the truth. Thirdly, patiently teach those who oppose the truth that repentance might be granted to them. And so that's sort of an overview of what we've seen. But Paul now warns that tough times are coming. There will be those who hate the truth. And uh, there are such things or such people as evil people. And we have seen evil, evil people in our time. We know them. I mean, they come to your mind. We don't even have to uh, make a list of them. Uh, but uh, Paul says has nothing to do with these types of people. Jesus said at, in the end times, in Matthew 24, 9 through 13, he says, Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many because lawlessness is increased. Most people's love will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. And so this is a description of uh, the latter days. And uh, first of all, Paul says in verse 1, he says, be constantly knowing this. You know, why does Paul keep pressing this issue with Timothy? It's kind of like, okay, Paul, we've heard this. Now you're saying it again. Okay, Paul, we've heard this, but now you're saying it again. Uh, Because there always will be opposition uh, to what is true to what is right. And we need to be on our guard. This is the history of the church. And it will be up until the, as he says here, the last days. And I don't think when he says in the last days, he's talking about a week before Jesus comes. Uh, This is probably the time between the first coming and the second coming. The gospel days, as one uh, author put it. Uh, There will be troubled times all down through church history. And, of course, we know that. We've seen that. So this is, shows the Bible is true because this is exactly what has happened. In other words, if this wasn't happening, you could say, well, the Bible isn't true. But, no, it is true because of all this stuff that's, that's going on, wars and rumors of wars uh, down through history. Uh, evil will be on the increase, I think, the closer his coming gets. We will, and we're seeing it, I think. Uh, it could get a lot worse. Uh, it could get so bad as in the days of Noah, uh, and it will be. Uh, it's going to be bad. Amen. Now, again, you know, like I said, when I get through with this, you're going to feel kind of grungy, like I need to go home and take a shower. <laughs> but uh, uh, we need to know these things but not dwell on these things. Be aware of them. But difficult times, what does he mean by difficult times? Difficult seasons, difficult periods. Uh, And that's why I'm not a post millennialist. 
somebody who believes that Christ is coming after we bring in the kingdom. Uh, things are not getting better and better. Things are getting worse. And so uh, I would uh, most definitely call myself premillennial uh, and uh, not postmillennial as a lot of uh, men were in old times because everything seemed to be getting better and better. Missionaries were going out. Drugs were, uh, cures were being discovered, and they saw everything getting better and said, oh, we're bringing in the kingdom. But, of course, the world wars just about destroyed uh, the post-millennial view. There's still some today that hold it, and uh, it's a very positive view because things are supposed to get better and better. That's, you know, that's not bad, but uh, perilous means stress, hard, difficult, not a pretty picture. You know, sin, S-I-N, okay, that's how you spell sin is S. I-N makes the times perilous. Uh, man is not evolving into perfect beings. There's several Star Trek, and I've mentioned this before, shows that were made, and they, they're going along in space, and all of a sudden these beings come, and uh, they no longer live in bodies, but they've done away with their body, and, and they're perfect, and Man is evil, and so you've got to destroy this evil man. And, and they say, no, we'll let you for you know another million years. You'll eventually evolve into perfect beings like we are. That is not the Bible. That is not true. Uh, man is evil at heart. And, uh, but it does make an interesting story. I, I do like uh, uh, sci-fi uh, as long as it's not... Uh, uh, really, uh, anyway, uh, he says also, for men will be, he says here, for men will be, not might be. Uh, it shows the Bible is true that man is responsible for the evil that uh, is in his life. In Romans, we find that man is without excuse. Man is without it. He is responsible. In Romans 1, 28 through 31, for just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit. So this really parallels 2 Timothy here. Malice, they are gossip, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, uh, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. See, almost exact, not exactly the same list, but, uh, and I'm, I'm sure there's a whole lot more you can add to this list. This is not an exhaustive list that Paul is giving uh, here, but these people that are being described in 2 Timothy, for the most part, are lost people. Their life is characterized by these characteristics. Now, it doesn't mean uh, that Christians cannot fall into these characteristics at times. We, we all do. Uh, we, uh, and that's, but that's why we need to repent. But we still have our sinful flesh we don't yield to the Spirit. We don't confess our sin. And uh, we talked about that in Sunday school, which was really good. And, uh, uh, but God 
hates sin. And uh, uh, really all of these, as you read this list, they all revolve around loving yourself. It's all about self. That's, the, that's what's going on in our country right now. It's all about self. Uh, self, I think, is the root of all of these problems here. Lovers of money and lovers of pleasure rather than God. Uh, they're all tied together with lovers of things rather than the love of God. And so, ask ourselves, you know, uh, and I have to ask myself, am I, do I love God more than things? Is he number one in my life? Because with the world, the world is number one with them. Amen. It is not God. They don't even want to uh, recognize God or retain God in their thoughts and what have you. So let's go down through this list pretty quickly. Uh, lovers of self is number one. Uh, this is having a great affection for yourself. Uh, these kind of people love three people. Me, myself, and I. Me, myself, and I. That's the three people they love. And... Uh, uh, what is taught about self-love in our day? That it's good. You know, the problem is man doesn't love himself. But actually, he loves himself way too much. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Uh, you know, that's, that, we, we don't stumble over lo- loving ourselves uh, less we love ourselves too much. And uh, it's, you know, you just need more self-esteem. Uh, you need to look out for number one. <clears throat> you must love yourself more. And what does Paul say? No, you die to self. The way up is the way down. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? It just sounds like a contradiction. Uh, but... Uh, self-love is the root of all problems. Self-centeredness. Self-centeredness. Me, 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 me. You don't have to teach little children about my, it's, it's mine with other siblings, other, th- that's mine and they'll try to take it from <clears throat> their brother or their sister. <clears throat> and of course, self-love Self-centeredness hurts relationships. It hurts relationships. It hurts marriages. Because it becomes all about me. It hurts churches. It hurts everything. Self-love. Secondly, Lovers of money. Materialism. It's interesting. Ephesus was, you might say, a very rich city. Matter of fact, it was called the treasure house of the ancient world. It was the crossroads. So there, 
when Paul is saying this, he is speaking to the very heart of this city here. Uh, <clears throat> attitude today is get more stuff. Stuff will make you happy. Uh, you want it because you need it. No, most of the time we don't need it. We just want it. God has promised to supply us with all our needs, not wants. Uh, it hurts relationship. Number three, it leads to boasting, Paul says. It means braggarts. It's interesting, even back in this day, you had quack doctors, quack doctors who uh, went around with a cure-all. I've got the answer in a, this bottle. And, of course, we know that uh, uh, happens even today. And we, so we have to be very careful of cure-alls. You know, this is a cure-all, and they peddle that. And uh, it pictures people who pretend to know more than they really know, to be richer than they really are. And uh, so in order to keep up with the Joneses, they borrow and borrow so they can look good. They promise what they cannot accomplish. Arrogant is the fourth thing. In, this is an in, inward uh, quality. Hardy, disdainful, uh, to look down on people, to have a contempt for people. This is a sin of the heart. They do not esteem others. They always look down on others. And yet, what does Paul say? To esteem others, everybody better than yourself. Amen. And treat them so. Treat, treat somebody that would come in that smells bad and sit in the church. You're to think more highly of them than you are yourself, than you do yourself. How many of us do that? Very few of us. Probably uh, we all will grimace you know, when we come in contact with somebody who does not come up to our standards, it's always easy to point a finger and say, I'm glad I'm not like them. And that's not the attitude. The attitude is to esteem them even better than yourself. Yeah. That's hard to do. You know, the, the self-righteous uh, Pharisees in Luke 18, self-righteous. And he also uh, told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. See, they looked down on them rather than esteeming them. Two men went out into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing some distance away was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. 
I tell you, this man went into his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Different than the world looks at it totally. Also, fifthly, revilers are blasphemers. Uh, this is a leading to uh, insulting people with abusive language. And again, see, we can see these things in our own lives, but our life is not characterized by that. We, re- we will repent. We'll even go and say, forgive me for hurting you, for saying that. And yet, uh, uh, the world looks down on people. And it leads to abusive language uh, towards them, and it also leads towards God. I hate you, God. I hate you. You gave me this, and it's not what makes me happy. They blame it on God. Sixthly, disobedient to parents. Uh, and we, we see this more and more on TV where children are shooting parents and parents are shoot, shooting children. And uh, when you're disobedient to parents, you're rebelling against authority. And today there's very little authority in the home and it carries over, of course, out of the home into the schools, into the workplace, into government, and every aspect of life. So what is the salvation of this country? It's the family. We get the family right and everything else is straightened out. You don't do it from the top down. You do it from the bottom up. And that is that uh, men and women uh, would teach their children. Seventhly, ungrateful. They don't appreciate... uh, what their parents have done. They're ungrateful. They're thankless people. They're thankless children. They aren't grateful. Why? Because they think they deserve everything. They cannot understand salvation by grace. Why? Because they're already great. They're already righteous. Instead of saying, How great thou art to God. They say, how great I am. I mean, let this, don't let, I mean, let this speak to you too. I mean, again, this is a list uh, of bad things here. But we need to repent where God pricks our hearts. Uh, They take everything for granted when things, if things go well. But if things go wrong, they blame God. They'll say, this is an act of God. God did it. God sent that. It's God's fault. They even blame sin on God. It's God's fault because he made man and brought sin into the world. and They hate God. And yet they don't see Satan, who is evil, rebelled and... uh, not God. Eighthly, unholy means gross indecency. It it's even means something much worse, this word does in the Greek, than you might think. Unholy means committing incest. 
things that offend the fundamental decency of life. Ninthly, without natural affection. All they care about is how they can use others to their own end, to get what they want out of them. Have you ever known people that way? When they come to you, you know this is about them. This is not about me or helping me. Uh, and this is uh, so sad. In the home today, there's what ought to be natural. There is no natural affection. Parents are abusing their children. Uh, instead of loving them uh, like a hen would, would bring her little chicks together and protect them, there's no natural affection anymore. It's going. This is the sign of the times. Tenthly, irreconcilable, unforgiving, a hostility that knows, leaves no room for a truce. They refuse to change, and they will be rebels to the end. They'll say, don't talk to me. They remain bitter to the very end. They don't want to hear what you have to say. Eleven, they're slanderers. Uh, this word for slander here is a word for devils, a false accuser. They are imitators of Satan. Interesting, Jesus said this. He says in John eight forty four, You of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of lies. They talk about other people behind their backs. They slander them. They gossip about them. This is one of the most cruel, I think, of all sins. They even get pleasure in passing lies about other people. Which destroys that person's uh, name. A lot of times we'll say things without even finding out if it's true or not about that person. We'll repeat something that we have heard, some gossip. Sadly to say, this goes on in the church. I've had uh, people call me and say, is this true about you? I say, where in the world did you hear that? Oh, so-and-so told me that. Instead of, uh, uh, and I said, no, it absolutely is not true. I never said that. And so this is going on in the church. When you, somebody said, when you, and I think this is good, when you listen to slander, you assist in the work of the devil. Because that's what this word means. Four people are hurt through slander. The person who gossips. The person who is gossiped about. The person who listens to the gossip, who is the fourth, fourth person? God. Four people are hurt. You assist in the work of the devil. Because that's what this word means. Twelfthly, 
without self-control. Now, you could make a sermon about each one of these, and I'm not doing that, but, uh, you know, again, you can only take so much grunge. And, uh, but without self-control means uninhibited, a slave to habit or desire. They don't care what people think. You know, they're like a car that goes out of control, that hits everything in its way. They're without self-control. They run over people. It's pretty ugly, isn't it? Pretty ugly description. Number 13, they're brutal. They're fierce, untamed. They're savage, uncivilized. They're like a wild beast. They tear others apart with their mouth. Fourteenth, haters of good. They hate what should be loved. Jesus himself was hated, and yet he never committed a sin. He was full of goodness. When good is hated, you know that a society is in trouble. When good is hated, you know that's in trouble. When evil is called good and good is called evil, watch out. And we're seeing that more and more today. People will say, well, it's okay to be evil if good will come from it. It's okay to abort a baby because you make the mother happy. And that's good. You see, we have, we have so been perverted and our hearts are so hard that even as Christians sometimes we listen to that. Well, I guess it's okay then. And so we need to be sensitive to what's going on. And we need to hate sin as God does. Because it's a terrible, terrible thing. Abortion is. Fifteenth, number 15, treacherous or traitors. This is the same word that was used for Judas. They don't have a sense of loyalty to any cause or person. Who are they loyal to? Themselves. See, all of this, all of these are wrapped up in self. They have self-love. They even will turn in their friends. Just like the Jews were turned in in World War II by the neighbors. This means informers. They're treacherous. They're traitors like Judas. Number 16, reckless. Faultless in word or deed. Uh, A man swept by passion or impulse to the extent he doesn't think rationally. He's careless. He's rash. Headstrong in pursuing an evil end. He will smash through anything to get it done. Number 17, conceited. Uh, Having been puffed up, they have unwarranted self-importance. No one can tell these people anything. These people will never sacrifice themselves to serve other people. Now, a lot of these are related, and you can see they're almost defined the same. There are differences, but 
very close in meaning. And then number 18, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And I think we're all guilty here. This is one that we all struggle with. Pleasure is regarded as the substitute for God. Selfishness. They don't love God at all. They find pleasure in treachery and gossip. They get pleasure in inflicting pain on other people. Number 19, probably the most shocking one of all that's found in verse 5. These people have a form of piety, but they deny the power. They have a form of piety, and it's sad to say you find these people in church. How are you defined by people in the church? I'm not saying maybe they would come out audibly and say that, but what do people think about you? They define you uh, as a person who has a form of piety because you dress up, uh, you're nice, but you are like a hollow Easter bunny. Sweet on the outside, maybe, but hollow on the inside. I like Easter bunnies that, you know, that are this tall and they're solid. You know, I mean, it's the whole thing. You don't bite into it and find out it's empty. A lot of people look that way on the outside, but inwardly they're causing division, they're slandering, they're gossiping, and... uh, a lot of times, maybe they're not even aware of it. They have a formal religion. They look real. It's like a mirage. You know, you can see water or an ocean out in the distance, but it's a mirage. You know, the Pharisees look good outwardly. And what did Jesus say about these scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites? For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. In other words, what does he say? Yeah, it's okay to tithe mint, dill and cumin, but not to the extent that you neglect what's really important. Says, you blind guides, you strain out a gnat. A gnat was a a, a, a creature that was considered uh, not proper to eat, an unclean, a very small unclean. He says, you're careful to to strain out a, a little small unclean gnat, but you swallow a camel, which is also unclean. He goes on to say. Woe to you. And that woe is very strong in the Greek. It means, you better watch out. Uh, It means bad for you. Uh, It's like you're condemned, woe. Woe. This is not like, uh, you better just kind of listen to what I'm saying because it might be important. 
hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup of the dish, but inside you're full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the outside of the cup. Ah, excuse me. First clean, I knew that didn't sound right. First clean the inside of the cup of the dish so that the outside of it may become clean also. Let me ask you, who are you living for? You know, we've described some pretty terrible things there. Who are you living for? Self? Oh, you say, well, no, you know, most of the time not for self. You know, where does it say you're to live for self anywhere in the scripture at all? I don't find it. I'm sorry. It's just not there. Think more highly of other people than you think of yourselves. Uh, Die. Paul says, die to self. Live for Christ. I don't find this half and half deal. Half for me and half for God. I don't find that. These people that are hollowing, they deny the power. The dynamite is the word here. It's a rejection of the power of the Holy Spirit. When you believe the gospel, the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit regenerates you and you believe the gospel, there's going to be a change. Now, that change may take a time, and we're growing in the grace and knowledge of who Christ really is. And uh, some people even remain babes. But true religion takes both form and power. It's to be in spirit and in truth. It's not enough just to believe about the truth. You can believe the whole Bible is true from beginning to end. The devils do. And not ever apply it to your life. And what good is it? As Paul says, you can have all knowledge of the Scriptures. You can have it memorized from Genesis all the way to Revelation. You can have it memorized. Have all knowledge of everything. And have not love. That is agape love. That's a fruit of the Spirit in your life that people see and love to be around you, that they can trust and come and talk to you because they know you're not going to gossip about them, and on and on that goes. We're to worship in spirit and in truth. What does this say about these people? Paul says, don't have anything to do with them. It means turn away from them. Keep on avoiding people like this. It means don't admit them into church membership. Or if they're in the church, get them out. Don't choose them as your best friends. Why? Because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. You know, real Christianity comes from the heart. And... And I confess, and and I know, we're all hypocrites to to a certain extent. We all struggle with sin uh, uh, to one extent or another. We're all big sinners, and uh, we have a big Savior Savior that covers all of our sins. And, but it's a matter of the heart. 
it's not just knowing it up here, but it's being changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that change continues. We're justified, but growth continues. The last verse before we close, Matthew seven fifteen and also 21 through 23. Jesus says, beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly, see, they look like a sheep on the outside, like an Easter bunny, chocolate Easter bunny, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that they, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. All, you know, we always say that and sometimes we leave out the last phrase, you who practice lawlessness. You, as Paul says, who are characterized by this list, depart from me. Let me ask you, are you genuine? Are you real? Are you just a phony who's trying to fool everybody? And probably some do. And I'm not, maybe, I'm not talking about in this church particularly because there are people that listen to this over the internet. But still, are you real? Are you desiring more and more to be like Jesus? Do you desire to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, to forsake sin, to confess sin, to be cleansed of all unrighteousness. This is serious stuff here. And yet, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's just that easy. That's the marvelous thing. Believe, trust, cast all your care upon him for he cares for you. He's a wonderful Savior. Have you ever imagined, and I'll be closing with this, have you ever imagined a world without the Holy Spirit where everybody and everything is evil? How bad it would be if the Holy Spirit were not here indwelling us, wooing us, changing us in the world Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Amen. A student of mine years ago when I was teaching at Greystone, and I've used this illustration. There may be some here that, who were not here then. But this was in the sixth grade, and I taught having Christ as your Lord, not only as your Savior, but living for Him, dying to self and and we were studying the scriptures. And years later, uh, when she came to the farm and uh, she had these little children with her, and uh, beautiful children, you know, they were nine, ten years old. This is some years later. She said, Mr. Phillips, do you remember me? And I said, Jackie? And she said, yeah. It used to be Jackie Roberts. And and I said, oh, my gosh, because I at that time was going through some terrible depression. I was wondering if 
uh, I should even continue in ministry or not. I was very discouraged and, and, and really struggling. Like, has God ever used me to do anything? And she said, I want you to know something, Mr. Phillips. And I said, what's that, Jackie? And she said, years ago in, in the class, you taught on accepting Christ as my Lord, uh, casting everything upon him. I said, yeah, I, I remember teaching that. And she said, well, I bowed my head and I did that because I realized I was only about me. Uh, I wanted the ticket to heaven, but I didn't want uh, the cost of discipleship. He said, that morning I gave my entire life. I surrendered all to Christ. And she says, I've never been sane since. And I went, thank you, God, for bringing her this morning. Because he brought her for me to encourage me. So let's be encouraged because as we tell other people, as we preach the word, as we apply it to our lives, God will change people. He'll change us. Well, let's pray. Father, this morning... Uh, Lord, this is a, a list that um, uh, after studying it, after looking at it, examining it, Lord, it does leave us uh, rather uh, grungy. And Lord, we feel like uh, uh, all is lost. There's no hope. Uh, because Lord, we can see these characteristics in our life as Christians from time to time. But Lord, help us not to ignore it. Help us, Lord, to confess it to say, I'm guilty, I'm doing that, Lord, forgive me. Change my heart and make me like Jesus. In his name, amen. <clears throat>